Whatever, do, do, yeah. Wings with friends. Ah, wings with friends. You got to get the wings to be with the friends. Thing, and I'm so glad I treated myself to it. And having my own little, it's so funny though, because like I don't need to have my own personal version of things because my husband never tries to like uh, rein in my girly, you know what I mean? He's like, oh, you can't put pink ornaments on the So we have a green tree with pink ornaments and then a pink tree with green ornaments. And like, you don't know what's stopping me from doing either thing. (laughs) I think that's kind of like being an adult too, is like, hey, if I want that, I'm getting it. Like I can do that. Yeah, there's just, I don't know. I'm also an emotional spender and I've been real stressed out lately. Mm. So we're buying everything. Tis the season. Um, all right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Wings with Friends. I'm your host, Mary Upchurch. And welcome to this uh, Yuletide pre-Christmas episode. I didn't plan that out. I don't know what to call it. It's not themed. But it kind of is themed because my guest has a lovely Christmas tree next to her. Um, I am so thrilled to have the very funny and talented Jasmine Ellis. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me, Mary. I'm so excited. I've been uh, checking out this show and you've had some of my favorite people on here. So I was like, I want to do it. So I'm very excited to be here. Finally, right? Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like we always, we're always so busy. If you're in town, well, it's mainly when you've been in town and it's like, we're so busy doing other things that it's hard to kind of find the time. For sure. Jasmine, tell us about, tell my listeners, who are you? What makes you so special? Wow. Uh, <laughs> who am I? Well, should I, <laughs> why is that so hard? Okay. Who am I? I am Jasmine Ellis. I am 31 years old. And at least what I do for money, uh, I'm not sure if that's what makes me special or even who I am, but what I do for money is I'm a stand-up comedian, uh, which is so funny because like this industry is so fucking crazy that like, I can understand someone being like, well, is that my job? Cause it's not what I do for money, but I'm a comedian. Uh, I do stand up and mostly tour universities, but you know, that's been on halt cause of COVID. So most of what I've been doing has been zoom performances for colleges lately, which is a lot of fun. Um, I've been, I've performed at, I want to say over 25 universities since the pandemic began. Wow. So been a busy bee and um, I also host a podcast called Rhythm and Bay um, that is coming out in the beginning of January I'm very excited about it is a music and love podcast so it's one part advice show one part music education show another part just getting in people's business so I think that is special and exciting and I'm really excited to do it and uh, what makes me special is that I am acutely aware that no one's special <laughs> like I think a lot of people think they're very special and I know I'm not which I think makes my life a lot easier so I just do what I want to do and have fun like most of the time when I'm oh, not oh you blew my mind there it's uh that is that's kind of like that next level once you realize that then and then that makes you really special <laughs> <laughs> It, it makes everything easier. You know what I mean? Like everyone's looking for connection. Everyone's looking to feel seen and heard. I'm just one little person and one little part of it who maybe can make someone's day a little easier. And so that's what I do. I just, I don't know. It's weird. I've been having this existential crisis because yeah. I have worked in retail for so long. I've always had a retail day job and everyone's been like, girl, just quit. You're doing so much stand-up. You're making way more money doing stand-up. You don't need to work at Ulta and sell old ladies perfume anymore. And it's a pandemic. You're going to get spit on whatever. And I moved to California and then the job I had is gone because they won't, it's not considered essential work. So all the makeup stores are closed. 
And I really started to feel kind of depressed and sad that I'm not working Christmas Eve because I didn't realize like what a big part of my identity it was helping someone's clueless dad find lipstick for his 14 year old like that. was (laughs) So I just feel like what makes me special is I just I really want to help other people, but I'm sure there are people who say that and they're doctors and actually help people. I don't know. No, no, no. Oh my gosh. You're doing the Lord's work at Ulta or work, (laughs) but helping a dad find a gift. I mean, you know, she was happy with that gift with the one you helped pick out, but you touched on so many things there that I can really identify with. I worked retail forever and I can, I always think this time of year about how many Christmases retail ruined for me. Like, you know, just that one customer puts you over the edge and now you're like, fuck it. Like, you know, know, Christmas is just about sweaters and scarves and leather jackets. And, you know, it was really annoying. Um, I worked at Men's Warehouse, which was, I mean, almost as annoying. surprising because I hate to say this, but I find that, and maybe this is just, I don't know, bullshit, uh, I hate to say this, but like men are usually less demanding and stressful. Like men come into clothing stores and stuff and they're like, I don't know, whatever you say. Like men are such easier sales, but maybe that's just, I I literally have been cussed out by women over nothing and they start shopping way earlier. So the stressful period is like Black Friday to like today, the Tuesday before, and then they're done. Whereas it's just the frantic dads tomorrow and Christmas Eve. And they're a ball. Frantic dads, clueless boyfriends, open your wallet, sir. Let me guide you. Like Christmas Eve is usually, I can't believe men's warehouse. They were shitty to you at men's warehouse. Well, just like the men go shopping at Ulta on Christmas Eve, the women come shopping at men's warehouse on, you know, for the holidays. But you're right. um, A little bit easier there, but there's always a bad egg. Um, And it was probably just one Christmas ruined, probably one guy or something. But um, so are you, are you enjoying the holidays maybe a little bit not being in retail or it sounds like you kind of miss it? I kind of miss it. Um, I'm just trying to, I just did a corporate Christmas show that I was excited about. And, and then I'm just going to tell this story because fuck them. I had a corporate Christmas event that booked me and they booked me way in September and made me get on, I want to say eight different Zoom calls for conferences and to make sure I knew everything about how to do their game show. And the guy running it invented this like super complicated, who wants to be a millionaire, prices right type game. And I thought I had it all down, but then the night before he asked me to get an extra computer which I don't understand. I'm a comedian. I don't just have extra laptops and stuff, but I made it happen and got an iPad and stuff. And I did the best I could with what was happening. People kept interrupting me. Like 200 people had their cameras on and I still like went with the flow, had people laughing. I felt good about it. Girl, tell me why the following Monday they, he, just the one guy, just the one guy who invented this crazy game called me on Monday and he was like, well, I just wasn't very happy with how everything went. So I was just wondering if you'd like to take some off of your fee. And keep in mind, this is a corporation that had enough money to like fly their whole staff to Hawaii and stuff. So uh, this has been the year of learning to know your worth and then add tax, you know, because I'm a business owner now. I have to pay taxes on what I do. And I had to put my foot down. I was like, I didn't violate the contract in any way, shape or form. You owe me the money and comedy is subjective. And I'm so sorry you didn't enjoy yourself, but I did what I had to do. But God, he laid it on thick. He was like, he was like, well, I was cringing and I, you know, I feel like you, you know, should be embarrassed. And I was like, well, I'm not, but again, like, you know, it's just, was I just, he I secretly the one who wanted to be the entertainment. Was he kind of like wished he was the guy around the office? 
Oh, for sure. For sure. And that was another thing too, is God, there was just so many tech bros, like turning their microphone on to add their little two cents. And it would like interrupt me in the opening part of the joke. And so I'd have to transition to another bit because you can't go back. Any comic knows that you can't go back and try to read like, because then it creates energy where it teaches everyone who's actually laughing at you to stop laughing so that they don't miss anything. And it, it, it creates this like school marm energy. Like all of a sudden people feel like they're being lectured and not laughed with. It's anyways, Zoom comedy is still a new thing. It's new for yeah. a lot of people. And if you're used to Zoom meetings, then you're used to like your input being valuable. So it was also, I hate corporate stuff. I think I'm done with that anyway. The way that people laugh when they're trying to make their boss feel better is just like where they're, <laughs> I was just on so many Zooms with these people and I just hear them go, Oh, Rick, you're great. You know, I go, oh, shut up. <laughs> so anyways, that was my last like holiday thing I did. But I just try to make my house feel special. And my husband and I are planning to still go to Texas. I don't know. Our, I feel really guilty saying that out loud. I feel like I should. That's okay. Hey, you know what? Okay. First of all, uh, God bless you with the with the corporate comedy. I mean, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad that you. I'm glad I heard that because later when that or something similar happens, I'm gonna kind of remember that little like, no, sorry, you know, I, I did yeah. my my job. Um, and, ugh. Uh, <laughs> but oh, flying to Texas. I I was thinking about this the other other day, and I'm like, I think every I think everybody's flying right now. Like nobody's talking about it, but like things are moving. Things are happening. You know, I was watching the bachelorette and like their families came in to do the hometowns or whatever. And I was like, they had to fly like what? And so, I don't know. It is weird to say it, but I don't think it's as, you know, taboo. Well, well that's the thing is like, I think we're getting, giving people really mixed messages. You know, you watch the bachelorette and they do that because why ABC or whoever has antigen testing that's access to testing that literally you lick a piece of paper. It changes colors. You know, if you're COVID or not. Oh, Venice. Uh, Dave Chappelle had am he had antigen testing at one of his shows yeah. in Austin, and so it's literally I hate to fucking say, but the truth is, is you can buy your way out of COVID. Only poor people have to give COVID, have to get COVID right now, and only poor people have to die of it, and that fucking sucks, and it's not fair. It's not fair the way things are set up, and you know the fact that there are rich people trying to like donate wings to hospitals so they can get uh, the vaccine sooner. It's scary, but. My husband and I, we, we, this is going to be so crazy. We sat down and we got a piece of paper and we were like red, yellow, green. You know, we were like, no, sorry. We were like red, orange, yellow, green. And we leveled what was considered highest risk or lowest risk when it came to us visiting our parents. So we decided that lowest would mean not coming at all. And then red would mean going, not wearing masks and staying in their home. So we decided to go to an outdoor campfire dinner where we all eat outside apart mm -hmm. from each other and then wear our masks the rest of the time and then get a hotel so we don't have to sleep or shower in the same place as them. Cause you just realistic, you can't wear a mask 24 hours. You can't. No, so that makes so much sense. And I, I, I worry when I say this out loud cause I think I'm gonna jinx it but I think that's the way to do it is let's logically think through it. Let's come up with a plan. And I keep saying, just respect the virus just respect the virus yes. and you'll be fine. I've been doing shows this whole time. And again, I don't wanna jinx it or whatever but I'm like, I'm respecting the virus and there's people I know who haven't. And guess what? They have COVID, you know, like stop acting like it's not a thing, but that's a great plan, especially staying somewhere else. 
You got mm-hmm. the outdoor and you got the masks. If you respect the virus, it should be pretty good. It's crazy though, because it's like, there are people who won't leave the house at all. And they think I'm, but it, I hate to say it, but when I went back to Ulta, like when they, I went back to Ulta from July to November and then they cut us right before Christmas, which was crazy. But I kept thinking to myself, I was like, I could get COVID here. So what's my logic in turning down a gig that pays two to $5,000 right? so that I can make 15 to $25 an hour in a store. Why is that more essential? You know what I mean? And it just, you, you can't tell the working poor not to work and not pay them to not work. So most of us are the working poor and we got to work. So I don't know. I hate to be such a, I, I feel like you're opening this up. I didn't, the whole thing with the hospital wing and the, the vaccine and the rich and the poor, I didn't know about antigen testing, but Mm -hmm. you're so right. And I, I'm very curious what this era will look like in the future when people are studying it and they're going to yeah. look at all the things that came together to make this the perfect shitstorm, and look at yeah. who won and who lost. And then you'll really see either who was behind it, who profited, you know, stuff like that. I think we'll also realize that everything's as super black and white as it looks. You know what I mean? I don't think, I think everyone sees everyone as either like, uh, oh, they're cowering in fear at their house and they haven't left at all or they're just flipping and not wearing masks and spitting on strangers in the street. And it's like, there's the middle ground of people who are like, but it's hard to tell a person who stands in a grocery store for eight hours a day that they shouldn't go hang out with their best friend. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make sense. I don't know. I think you should talk about this in a very interesting way. Yeah, it reminds me of that meme in a way, um, not the same thing, but like, don't break your back for eight hours working for somebody else and then go home and not work on your dreams or something to that effect. Like, well, if I'm going to, you know, work for eight or nine hours at the grocery store, like, why not go see? Oh, somebody could easily attack this argument. So it's so hard to talk about, but yeah. I know it's, it's kind of like, I guess it's the, the, the more you do something risky, the risk, the more your risk goes up. So yeah, yeah, I feel like I can just talk and see, I think I'm just trying to make myself feel better because ultimately the safest thing to do would be to stay home. And I don't feel great about flying. It is making me feel anxious, but you know, we have a straight shot. Um, (laughs) We we made a pact to like eat, drink and pee before we got there. So we're not taking our masks off whatsoever the entire time. I'm just, I think you've got a plan. I support it. I support it. You've got a plan. Uh, Wow. You know, man. Well, I first met you. It was, I believe at the bird city comedy festival here in Phoenix. And I gave you a ride from the airport. Oh, did you light something on fire? Um, Oh my God. So I bought this like two in one hot plate cooling plate thing. And I put your, I use, I put glass on it and it started to like condense and harden. And I thought I was going to shatter the glass. <laughs> what does the cool plate hot plate do? <laughs> I buy the dumbest shit, girl. No, I'm like, like do I, I need this? Do I need this? Spender. So like right now it's set on heat. So there's like hot over here is for coffee. So you put like a mug of coffee in here and it keeps it warm. Oh. Um, but you can set it to cool and it like, you can set it, this is off right now. But you can also set it to cool and it cools your glasses. <laughs> And it got so cold. It was like frosting on the bottom of my cup of Sprite with blackberries in it. <laughs> Girl, I buy everything. That, okay, that is everything. I thought maybe I bought everything. But do you have a mini waffle maker? Not yet. Do I need it? <laughs> you sh- on TikTok, it looks really cool. Does it charge your phone too? Yeah. Yeah, it does. What? <laughs> 
It's, I just, I, oh my God. I'm so glad I didn't live through the era of like the Sky Mall catalog or Home Shopping Network because I, I'm an emotional spender and I eat when I'm stressed out. So like yesterday I spent like $50 on Italian food just to feed myself. Like my husband had already ate and we had a fridge full of leftovers. And I said, I just don't want this. And then I ordered Bucatini and I was so happy. (laughs) Sometimes Uh, you just, you need to eat. Same. So it's a mess. You were asking me a question before I sort of freaking out about this glass of water. No, that's okay. Because um, like your freakouts and tangents are way more interesting. But I was, I was talking or reminiscing about how, where we first met mm-hmm. at the Bird City Comedy Festival. And I miss festivals so much right now. But I volunteered, like I was helping out, like in the group chat, I was like, I'll give you a ride from the airport. And I was just a strange girl in a Jeep, like, yeah, let me come get you. And, <laughs> but, which, you know, that was easy for me to do, you know, it was like, boom, boom, right there. Perfect. Um, but I knew I wanted, I wanted to know people, you know, I was a little newer at that time and I just wanted to like know people. And like when the festival got going, I was like, oh, then I'll know somebody. And so look, mm-hmm. we still know each other. You were so sweet, by the way. Do you remember me leaving my phone in your car and That's like, right. getting, and, and I had to go back Facebook messaging you like, can you please come bring my, my phone? And I was like, I think like they needed like the Wi-Fi codes or something that were on my phone. So they wouldn't even let me check into the room. So I was like, I was in the lobby, like still downstairs. Oh my gosh. You were a sweetheart for that though, because that's the thing about these festivals. Like Bird City takes pretty good care of you, but some of these other ones between like the hotel and the flight and the, the, the lift to and from, but Sometimes it's all about the connections you make. Some great things have opened up for me because of festivals and I miss them, man. They're like comedy summer camp. Like you meet so many great people. Yeah, Yeah. we got to hang out at uh, Big Pine this last year. Um, Mm -hmm. I did definitely learn that though. Like going to Big Pine is one of my first festivals. I was like, cool, they're paying for so much and they're paying for my, you know, hotel and all this. And then I've gone to some now where they don't pay for anything and I'm paying for things and they charge me for a shirt. I was like, what? Um, So that's kind of hard or- if you don't get a good schedule, I've realized I don't want a blank, a dark day in the middle. If I fly somewhere and I'm putting myself up and you've mm-hmm. got me performing like Thursday and Saturday. Yeah. I think that's kind of hard. Yeah. I think sometimes they, they put more people on than they should. And I think a lot of times, but it's, it's interesting with these festivals because like basically to pay their headliners, they have to have money coming in from who? Us. I mean, also tickets, but also, you know, applications and things. So my rule yeah. for festivals, I have three rules when it comes to deciding if Ooh, a festival. I love it. Let's hear it. Okay. The first rule is, do I want to perform there? If it's somewhere I want to be, then it's worth applying. Two, do I have an opportunity to perform there? I guess more, more they're not rules. They're questions I ask myself. Do I want to perform there? can I perform there without this festival? Like I just did my first festival in Houston, but I've performed in Houston like seven times. Why I just called up people and asked to get on shows in Houston and build that relationship. When I was living in Austin, it was so worth it to have a connection in Houston. Same thing with New Orleans and Lafayette. I've never done a fest. Actually, I did do a New Orleans festival, but I got myself out there first because I just wanted to go. Uh, LA and New York. I've never done a festival in LA or New York. I just... Sometimes you even do better, like finding a random ass week where there's not really anything going on, but there's still shows. Get it? It's like creating a festival experience for yourself. And it's, for me, I was strongly considering moving to New York pre-pandemic. And so I stayed for an entire week and got myself around. And like, I saw I'm that, like, yeah. 
I'm afraid of public spaces. I'm afraid of rats. I'm afraid of everything that is New York. So I was like, you need to go there. And I'm afraid, I hate winter. So I, I went in February and like walked around. Luckily, Lexi, um, oh, what is her last Lexi name? Lexi Grace? Lexi Grace. Lexi Grace happened to be in New York that week. So we like walked yeah. around New York and she went to NYU. So it was like having a buddy and it was so fun. And, and I, I met was Lexi this Grace. year. Yeah, it was this year. Like that is, you want to hear something crazy? I did the same thing in LA, like the same time. I went to LA and kind of did my own, like, I'll do a week, you know, and, and meet, you know, like exactly the same thing. Yeah. And then I like, I chose an Airbnb that was kind of in an area where I imagined I could possibly afford to live. I mean, I really want to, cause especially when you're from a sheltered area, like in Texas, there's no public transit. So everybody drives right. and you drive yourself. And so you never really have to be like, oh, you know, I was so terrified of the subway and just thought I was going to be knifed at any moment. But you know, what's nice is it's like, as long as you have your guard up, you're fine, but everyone has their guard up and everyone minds their own business. Whereas like in Texas and like the South, everyone's so friendly and in your business is actually more threatening when you think about it because you don't know if you're just, yeah, you don't know if you're just smiling to be polite or if this guy's going to take that as an invitation and follow you to your fucking car. Like it's, everyone minds their business in New York and I kind of like, like they will step over your dead body. They mind your business so fucking <laughs> What did you think about performing? What did you think about the rooms and performing in New York? How was that for you? Um, for me, it was a little, I will say it was a little tricky getting stage time, you know, because mm -hmm. people don't know me and I, I, I'm not trying to say I'm the next big thing in comedy, but sometimes it's frustrating for me because I feel like I have been doing it a long time and I have really solid time and I am funny and I'm on the cusp of a lot of things. But when you don't have a TV credit, there's like so-and-so needs to practice for their Conan episode. So we're going to book them. Yeah. So, you know, I learned a lot. Um, I did a couple stages that were awesome. I did Butter Boy, which is hosted by Aparna and Charla and Maeve Higgins and, um, uh, Marianne and it was just great so I did um I did Butter Boy which was amazing it's in Brooklyn it's a great show um that was the night I was supposed to be on three shows and I didn't make it to the last one because it's just too far also you got to figure out like it's not, New York is huge and very spread out and you can't just get from one place to the next I learned that so I was like in Times Square doing Caroline's and then I had Butter Boy that night and then I thought I could make it to a third show on a different part of Manhattan and I couldn't do it um, I'm trying to remember the other shows I did. I did I did like almost a show every night, which was good. Um, and then one night I just went to the cellar and um, oh my God, John Mulaney was there. <laughs> John Mulaney. And I felt my, cause like, I, oh my God, I love him, but I literally had just watched the sack lunch bunch. So I was like, ah, ah, yeah. so, like I was like, cause that is the thing. If you are seen trying to mob the comics or you're, you're kicked out for life. Right. So oh, I really just, uh, good to know. Yeah, I was like, don't look at him, don't look at him. I mean, him. as a comic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, normal people, it's fine. But if you're, if you're a, so say a comedian and you try to um, social climb in any way, it's not a good look. So it was funny because comics I knew were there, but I, you know, this doesn't happen to me a lot because I'm not a big name, but there's going to come a moment where someone remembers me and I don't remember them. Mm -hmm. And I would hope that I would be gracious and mm -hmm. not make them mad because people never forget it. So I saw Dean Edwards and I had worked with him before at Hyena and I was just like, he was like, Jasmine, what you doing? And I was like, oh, hi. Cause I, he was sitting at this table. I want to say like, I can't remember who else, but it was like names in that corner. Nice. And so I didn't want to like walk up and be like, hey, Dean, it's me from Dallas, you know? So, um, but yeah, Mia Jackson got me in and I got to hang out and I got to watch Dave Mullaney run the, not Dave Mullaney. John Mullaney. 
John Mulaney run the set he ended up opening SNL with. Yeah. So that was cool. Like, and I could see the changes and to see the ups and downs. And it was so funny too, because there was this table full of like, just a group of dudes arguing about waters and bills. And they were in the front row and interrupted him. And I was like, can you imagine being so jaded on comedy that it's not a big gas deal to me that John right. Mulaney five feet away from you they were like this is not mine and just arguing with the dumbest stuff so yeah, I when I went to New York in 2019 and tried to do a couple open mics um and my takeaway from that was oh they just don't give a shit about me <laughs> like I felt like okay you know like all right but it was fun I'm glad I could say I did it my uh, a place where I take would take classes you know set up a show for us at Gotham so that was fun but when I did the open mics I felt like nah they didn't you know <laughs> Fuck off, Mary. When I went as a tourist the year, like a, a few months before we went to the cellar and it was so magical though. I was like, this feels like a showcase at home except you know everybody on mm-hmm. and they're running their their letter, you know, their late night uh, bit. So yeah, I, I love that. That was magical. Yeah, I think for comics, it's just, if you don't know anyone and for me, it was like, cause actually that was the second time I visited New York. I was there for a wedding before. And the only thing I was able to get on was a fucking bringer show that time. Yeah. But although at that point I had only been doing comedy for two and a half years uh, and I didn't have any form of a credit at all. Like, I don't think I even done a real festival yet. So I got on a bringer show and got like six minutes on it. Um, this time I had done festivals, people kind of knew me. So I had people to ask, but it is, it is all who, you know, and it's hard. Same with LA, but you know, I've only been in LA via shutdown. So nothing's really you know, mattered. I, um, it's funny. I did a festival in, in 2020. I, I did uh, Paris, Texas, which I think you, you headlined that festival pr- prior, right? Or you, you performed at um, Tower City. I headlined that room. Yes. Okay. Um, so I did that, that was f- such a rough night. I said a joke about throuples and everyone got quiet. And I was like, y'all don't know what a thruple is? And they were like, no. And I was like, all right, sometimes when a man and a woman love a man or a woman, <laughs> like, I remember that very vividly. They do not know what thruples are in Paris, Texas. That's what yeah, I it was, it was interesting. And I remember going, oh man, should I go to this festival? There's, you know, I'm going to pay for a lot of it, but I wanted, there was a couple like people I wanted to perform with. And looking back, that was the only festival. I think that was maybe one of two in-person festivals that actually happened this year. So looking back, it was a good idea, but, um, like That's a week. Number like, three was. Hmm? My question oh, yeah. Number three is, what question was number three? three? Who will it expose me to? And is yeah. that worth my time? That yeah, because that's be- the purpose of the yeah. festival is to network or to move something forward, whether it's a relationship or it's, Hey, I just want to go there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a week after that, I it was my um, LA field trip, and it was cool. Everywhere I went, I knew somebody because of the festivals, and that was like, all right, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, Jasmine, you. Um, this is Wings with Friends. Tell me a little bit. We had a little snafu or a miscommunication. Tell me a little bit about what you thought we. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. What do you okay. think we were gonna do? And then let's talk about it. Okay, I thought I needed to make wings because you gave, like you send us, like you take care of us to, to make the wings. So I thought I needed to make wings. And it was funny because I completely forgot we were doing this. But I had some chicken tenders that were already in the fridge. So I was like, okay, I can make this work. So I had out all my seasonings and my air fryer and I was going to show you how to make these tenders and be like, let's just pretend they're wings. And I was going to explain it all. So I was really excited though because I was going to make a copycat version of these wings that I love. 
Tell me about that. So, well, and, and, and it's fine because like, I've been trying to adapt for the pandemic. Most people are like doing like Grubhub or something. And then, you know, we have those wings, but I love, you know, a good wing recipe or something a little different. Where did you see this recipe that you're copying? You're going to, you're not going to believe this. All right. So on the DoorDash app, there are a couple of restaurants that are called DoorDash exclusives and the restaurants that don't have physical, um, they don't have physical locations. Like that's how they explain it. There's not a real place. You can only get it through DoorDash. Like a ghost kitchen. Ghost kitchens. Did you know that these- Did I spoil it? No, 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 no. Okay. Did you know that these like non-existent restaurants are actually existing restaurants rebranding their products so that people will like, for example, the Pizza Hut Pezzaquale thing. Did you hear about that? Tell me more. Cause I've heard little bits of this but I've never heard anybody explain it. Oh wait, no, Chuck E. Cheese Pezzaquale's. That's Chuck what e. it Cheese, is. Chuck E. Cheese, the, you know, the great place to be a kid decided to put themselves on DoorDash to make more money and they called themselves Pezzaquale's and it was Chuck E. Cheese fucking pizza coming to people's houses in these generic boxes with no label. Well, it's just wings, which by the way, I found it the first time I had it's just wings, I was in Goshen, Indiana doing a college. And like I said, I've done a few colleges via the pandemic. Colleges are better than clubs though because they put me in theaters. So you just say no food or drink, everyone's mask stays on the whole time, no problem. It's comedy mm. clubs where people are drinking alcoholic beverages where it's hard to get them to keep their mask on. But anyways, so I'm in my hotel room in Goshen, Indiana, middle of fucking nowhere. And I see it's just wings. And they had this flavor called truffle hot. And I was like, that's interesting. So it's like truffled hot sauce. Like I'm so confused. That sounds so luxurious. And they've got a great deal. Um, 10 wings for $10 plus fries and a drink. I order them and girl, these are the, oh, I ordered them pecan smoked truffle hot wings. So they use a special pecan smoker with like a, like a, it's a smoked wing with this wonderful sauce and I order it and it's so freaking Was it Chuck E. Cheese? (laughs) No, no, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. You're going to die. So then I go, I was in Goshen, Indiana, and then I go to a college in Iowa and I can find it there again. But then when I go back to Austin, I can't find it. And I'm like, why is this only in the most weird small towns? I can't seem to find it anywhere. And then I go to my parents' house in Grand Prairie, Texas, and I find it. And I'm like, where is it? And I look and it's like walking distance from my parents' house. And I'm like, this is so confusing. Where is this ghost kitchen? Why is it only in these tiny towns? Why is it not in Austin or LA? You know, cause I was back in LA at that point. I can't find one in LA at all. I'm like, where the hell is it's just wings coming from? And then I see it's walking distance from my parents' house and the guy delivering the it's just wings. Cause I'm telling my parents, y'all, this is the best wings I've ever had. This is going to change your life, mom, this hot truffle. Ooh, they have a golden ponzu flavor. Ooh, the mandarin lime. Like they have the most interesting flavors you've ever, ever heard of in your life, girl. That sounds amazing. I'm at my parents' house and I'm like, how is it 0.5 miles away? I'm thinking about all the restaurants we have in our area and it's nothing special. We have like an IHOP. We have an on the border. We have all these chain restaurants, girl. The guy gets lost on the way to my parents' house and he calls and he goes, I've got your order from Chili's. And I said, I'm sorry, Chili's? No, I ordered It's Just Wings. And he goes, oh, well, I picked it up at Chili's. It's Just Wings is fucking Chili's. That's why it's not in LA or Austin. It's Just Wings. It's It's Chili's kitchen. Nothing else. It's Just Wings. 
And it's, but the crazy thing is like Chili's has like chicken tenders, but they don't sell wings or they do have wings. Yeah, they bowls. don't. Yeah. Yeah. These are special wings that are like made in Chili's, but not like if you went to Chili's and said, I would like the truffle hot wings, they would go, I don't know what you're talking about. And they wouldn't let you order it. But if you were inside Chili's and did a DoorDash order, someone from the back of the DoorDash, like it doesn't, it makes, it is the secret underground. Could it be a gorilla wing operation that has hacked into DoorDash and it's just some old lady who really knows her wings is cooking them up and she's like, no, it's it's silly. possible, girl. The garlic ponzu, the mandarin lime, the like the the truffle hot, which is what started it all for truffle. me. They were fucking amazing. That, it's not every time we get chilies, I get so excited because I know I can have it's just wings, but it just sounds Jasmine, thank you for that. That is the best wing non-wing wing story. Um, tell me about these truffle hot. Was it because I've been seeing that truffle sauce on Instagram and it's probably gonna show up now on my newsfeed. But again, but like, did it have like a strong, was it truffly? Was it hot? Like describe this flavor. Sounds so strange, but it's a delicious. And it's amazing that I can't, it's such a delicious hybrid of flavors. So there's this fancy grocery store here called Gelson's and I got some black truffle seasoning and I put it on everything. I love it on mashed potatoes, on popcorn, on fries, anything crispy or on macaroni and cheese like um starchy carby type of stuff right like that's usually where you carby and starchy it tastes so good on it so i had that and then my game plan was to mix it in with louisiana hot sauce and kind of mix it in and then i was going to use my little um what what do you call that big ass paintbrush that you put on like the corn on the cob and stuff like a base no not a base a brush a brush. I was going to use my brush and I was going to brush it on my wings after I cooked them. That was my game plan. And I was going to season my, my wings with uh, garlic, Himalayan sea salt, and black pepper. That was my that game plan. Perfect. And then I was going to, and in my head, those are the flavors I taste. I have a strong sense of taste. So I'm usually pretty good at, which is so funny because I'm so picky about food and like, like flavors sing to me. Like, you know, I can like, I can hear, you know how when people can hear every instrument in music? Yeah. I can hear every ingredient. Oh, so you kind of like can deconstruct it and be like, oh, that's garlic, that's black pepper, that's Himalayan. Was the truffle seasoning a pow- like a powder, a loose seasoning, or was it? It was a sauce. So it was, um, oh. it was, and it was so beautiful because you don't see any speckles. It looks just like a regular ass hot wing, but you taste that truffle. So I figure what they do is they work it into a buffalo sauce and a truffle together, and they probably cook it together so mm-hmm. that it's very even. But there's not a powdery texture at all to it. It's Got not. It. Uh, who okay, I wasn't sure the medium. Hmm? I had some truffle fries this weekend, and then. My friend got truffle fries. I got regular fries, but I got a truffle aioli. So the mm-hmm. the flavor is very like uh, top of mind for me right now. So um, okay. I love it. Where do you get that from? Is it is your mom like that or your dad or like did you grow up like are they into flavors and food? Well, yeah, my family's from Louisiana, so I'm Cajun and Creole, and my parents are really into cooking. With my mom, though, and my dad always jokes about this, my mom and I have, like, bloodhound senses. Like, we have the strongest sense of smell in the entire world. I can smell food that's rotten, like, when it's still in a refrigerator. I, I'm the, although it is very annoying and painful being me, though, because I'm the person who's like, oh, my God, please take the garbage out. I'm like, I just put, no, please, I can smell it. Uh-huh. Or, like, uh Ugh, like it kills me when things I can just smell everything all the time. And that's what's so funny is for all I know, that might have kept me from getting COVID because 
the entire time I was in New York, I would walk around with my scarf like this because I just could not like over my nose and mouth, by the way, y'all, I could not stand the smell of New York streets. And so I was constantly, I, and then anytime I'm on a plane, I think planes always kind of smell muggy and smelly. Like, yeah. I will say this, planes have started to smell better since the pandemic hit. Because they're, like, they're actually cleaning them and airing them. smell way cleaner. I smell Purell when I get in there. I smell, it smells almost medicinal. It smells like a pharmacy in there now. Yeah. So like, I have such a, but my mom, my mom is, a. there's something wrong with her. I remember one time, my little sister went and got tacos and she she brought them to her bedroom. And we live in like a two-story house. So she brings them to her bedroom. My mom gets up at five o'clock in the morning and goes, something stinks. And she goes all through the house and finds where my sister left the empty box of like the wrapper of the tacos. And she yeah. can smell it from her bedroom, bottom floor to my little sister's room, top floor. And she's like, throw that shit out. So she has a crazy strong sense of smell. And I'm like that, like with perfume, I can smell like yeah. notes in it. But um, actually I took a cooking castle when I was a little kid. And um, the only thing they taught us to make was meatballs. But that was like our final exam. I was, uh, there's this thing called college for kids. I was like, cute. Second grade. And the instructor taught us to taste spices by themselves. So when I'm not sure if I like something, I put it in my hand and just lick the spice by itself. And if I'm not sure about a combination, I will mix the spices in my hand and then taste them together. And Dang. then decide if I like that before I put it in the food. Is that weird that I'm kind of- No, that's I want so- my hands between liquids, I promise. <laughs> no, that is so top chef of you. Like maybe, um, yeah, I mean, that is really cool. It's kind of a skill and a talent. I. I feel like I didn't start getting a more refined palate till I got older. Like, mm-hmm. like I used to never like blue cheese or like harsher tasting things. And now it's like, Ooh, you know, like the stinkier, the better or whatever. <laughs> but, um, interesting. I bet you that skill will like save a life one day where you're like, Oh, gas leak or, <laughs> you know, what's wrong with or something like that. That is fascinating. I, mean, I'll tell you this, I can tell when people need to change their fucking kids. Like I'll be like, Oh, Jesus. And then it, it, like five minutes later, the person's like, oh, you made a stinky. And I'm like, you're damn right. They made a stinky. <laughs> um, speaking of, when I worked at Men's Warehouse, one of the ones I worked by was next to a Jack in the Box and people would come over after eating Jack in the Box. And I hate, I, I have some pet peeves with smells too, but this is one of them. It's just when onion sticks to yourself, when your body and it's the, the after effects. So I'd be like measuring a gentleman and you could just smell it on them. And now oh. when I smell it, if I smell it on me, I'm like, no. Or just like the, something about their, like not a dirty smell, but just you, not you, but them, a person, just their mm-hmm. smell amplified. Like yeah. you need cologne or you need something else. I don't know. But I think when you love somebody though, if you love somebody, you really like their smell, no matter how stink it is. I I definitely think I tolerate my husband's stink more than I can tolerate anyone else's. Like he doesn't repulse me the way other men do. I will say, oh my God, I can't stand the smell of nicotine being sweated back out. Like like, the smell of like secondhand smoke, like, ugh, but it doesn't bother me that much. But when someone just smoked and then their sweat has the nicotine smell, that is the worst. That's an interesting one. so much better. But once you add human into nicotine, yes. it's so messy. I quit smoking about five years ago. And now if somebody light, thank you. I know. I'm like, wow, I'm thinking about going back to it. No, just kidding. I'm not. Um, but when somebody lights up a fresh cigarette, I'm like, Ooh, 
ah, oh, you know, but like the old smell. And I didn't think about that sweating back out. That's disgusting. Yeah. It sweats out. Everything sweats out. That's what you, that's probably what you didn't like was the smell of onion through body, which is nastier than onion alone. Cause actually I don't mind the smell of a nice fresh onion when you're chopping it. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I love strong flavors. No, no, you're right. No, I'm just, I'm letting it, I'm letting it marinate. Um, you're right. No, that's uh, totally. Well, okay. So I'm thinking about wings again, and I, I'm not going to give you a hard time for almost making chicken tenders. Um, that if you're a wing, here's the truth. Like if you have a wing podcast, you have to shame people who eat boneless and boneless aren't wings and you have to have that conversation. But my podcast is really about people. And if somebody I want to have on the podcast is a vegetarian or vegan, like, yeah, we're going to work around it. But behind their backs, we might be like, oh, chicken tenders aren't wings. I love chicken tenders when I don't feel like doing all the work. You know, I just want to eat. I want to taste the flavors and I'll do like that. But if you- The only reason I was going to make tenders is because that was what was in my fridge. And I forgot about it. I am- no, I agree with you. It's not wings. You like you like nuggets. You like big nuggets. You like stretchy long nuggets. That isn't. Have you had Have you had uh, Diedrich Flynn on your podcast yet? No. He wrote a rap about wings, and he feels very strongly pro bone. He also prefers drums to flats. So that's why I fuck with him, like on a spiritual level. By the way, what are you? Drums or flats? Okay, well let's go there. I'm gonna get into this because I have it's a called your wing constitution. Let me <laughs> I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna show you actually. Um so that you have will it come up correctly? Okay, here it is. So your wing constitution, Jasmine, are you a drummy or a flat? Drum, 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 all day, every day. There's more meat. It's meant to be held. A flat is, it's, it's a toothpick with some shit in between it. Nope, mm-hmm. drums all the time. Okay, okay, that's fair. Is your Does your husband eat wings? Oh, yeah. Will he eat the flat? This motherfucker likes boneless. This what? boneless bitch. <laughs> he prefers a boneless wing, and I find it just deplorable. He prefers it. Well, so we like to say that, like, you know, the drummy to your flat, you know, you order a dozen, he eats the flat, you get all the drummies. That's a perfect match. He will eat my flat, though. He's not someone who won't eat bones, but he, if, it's, if he's by himself, he orders boneless. Yeah. If he's ordering a big number for us, then he eats the flats and I get all the drums. Perfect. Do you dip it in ranch or blue cheese? Good question. I recently discovered that I don't hate blue cheese. I think what it was is as a kid, when I would order ranch and then eat blue cheese by mistake, my palate was expecting ranch and I would go, ah, what is blue cheese is great with the right kind of flavor. Like blue cheese and buffalo. Yes. Match made in heaven. That's what it's supposed to be. But I think ranch is more sauce neutral. So it's good for leveling out something that's too spicy. So I'm going to go with both. I, it just depends on the flavor. Okay. Do I have an indicator R ranch? If you had to pick one, ranch. Okay. So we're gonna do an R. Okay, this it's is kind of like, like your personality Coke test. Okay. It's kind of like Coke versus Sprite. Like, like ranch is Sprite. It's inoffensive. It goes with everything. But like Coke is memorable and it goes with a lot of things perfectly. So I'm I'm, I'm on ranch. I'm on ranch. Okay. And yeah, and this isn't like the only wing you can ever have, but like if you're getting your ideal wing, do you eat the carrots and celery both or neither? Both. Gotta have your veggies. 
Yeah. I like them as a um, tool to eat more blue cheese sometimes if it's a good yeah. blue cheese. <laughs> um, if you had your pick, I'm trying to get out of the picture. Dry, do you prefer your wings like a dry rub or do you like a sauce wing? Oh, oh, okay. That's so hard because my two favorite flavors, like if I were to go to a ranch, a, a wing place that I've never eaten there before and they have like the usual suspects, I'm going to go with my two faves. I'm going to go with lemon pepper. That's a yep. notorious rye and an Asian zing or whatever that you, they mix it up, but they say something like teriyaki ginger or yeah. it's always some spicy word and some country. So it's yeah. like Korean blast, you know, like something like that. You know, I'm right. Like, it's just like Thai, ba-bam. Like it's always a country and an onomatopoeia. This is like one of those, yeah, this is like one of those memes where it's like your stripper name is the first letter of it. It's like, Give me a country uh, and then an adjective or an exclamation. I'm just saying, like, Filipino pop, go for it. You know what I mean? Like, that's all I need. Just, all right, I always go with something that's a little sweet, spicy, and those are always wet. And then I go with a lemon pepper, which is always dry. Oh, my God. If I, I can only have one, right? Well, I mean, it's just, like, your ideal situation. I get you. Because I'm the same. I normally, when we do this, I, I we would probably order, like, 10 different wings. You know, because I can't make a decision. I want to try them all. But if you had to pick one, if it's like, what's in general your favorite, you know, what's your favorite? Do you like a sauce wing or a dry rub? <laughs> I'm going to say dry yeah. because there's no situation where I don't get and lemon pepper. Like and lemon pepper is like the, the last name of my wing order. Blah, 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 blah. And when lemon pepper. Yeah, it's a popular one. I've had a lot of lemon and pepper um, on this podcast. Okay, uh, almost last question. Fried, baked, grilled, smoked. Smoked, smoked. Now that I had my pecan porter smoked, truffle hot, which I still can't. I mean, do they even, where do they get a smoker at Chili's? Like nothing else. Like I'm so confused. Well, with their baby back ribs, they're probably cooking them in a big kitchen somewhere else and you get them frozen and then they, they thaw them or whatever. Speaking of the, the first place I heard about a ghost kitchen is we got um, a white castle here in, in Arizona. And what I learned was there's this like secret kitchen that, uh, that makes them because they can't handle the volume and they do all like the grub hub and all that. But anyway. It's crazy. We're living in a world where you can eat at restaurants you can't walk into. Yeah. Like that's crazy. That is amazing. I love it though, because I've always been like, I want to go to White Castle or I want, you know, this pizza from New York. And I've been lucky enough to kind of travel and to, to, to get to eat some of it, but there's so mm -hmm. much, you know, like I want to try. What's your number? My number? How many wings can you eat? Yeah, like what? What's I can't be the first one to zone out. And then you said my number. I was like, what does that matter? I mean, I fucked some people. Who doesn't fuck some people? Why are you asking me all that right now? <laughs> How many wings <laughs> can you fuck with? How many wings? Um, eight is usually my soft spot. Eight is perfect. Eight is perfect. Eight okay, that's good. So you are a DRV DS8 would be like your personality. You can put that like on your LinkedIn profile and people will know what kind of person you really are. But really, if we kind of did something where we added in like your second, you know, because you're very indecisive, that would probably show more like I want both. I want it all. I want to taste it all, which 
I can identify with. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thank you for playing wing constitution. Let me ask you this. Um, this is a new, this is a new question. Um, Geneva joy was the first person she brought this up and I'm like, that would be a really fun game to play. I love Geneva, by the way. Isn't I love she her. Great. Um, <laughs> So she, she said she wants to have a wing night and she'd call them Thickem Thursdays and it'd be like the thick girls and like the wing special. And I thought, well, what would be your wing night if you could create a night and sky's the limit, right? Be creative. What would your wing special be? What would be the entertainment? What would be the drink special? What would be like the theme? How would you do your wing night? All right, bet. I got an idea. I'm going to create a MLM situation because why not make money off other broads, right? I'm going to make, I'm going to create an MLM What's called me? Wings and Bling. What is it? Wings and Bling. And what it is, it is like a Tupperware party where like somebody serves wings at their house and then, well, and then everyone gets to try on jewelry. Oh God, that sounds like a sticky mess, doesn't it? Like you're just like touching. No, but I love it. It works. So mm -hmm. at, at ML, would there be prizes? Like if you host like host prizes and stuff? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There'd be prizes. There'd be hidden prizes like in the celery and ranch and shit. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I would make ranch bombs, like a bath bomb, but like you just like set it in, <laughs> into milk and it becomes ranch. Like it's just, it's ranch seasoning that you put into a tub of milk. That's yeah. Like the, the hot cocoa bombs but for ranch dressing. And it'd be like a spa, like very hashtag girl boss, you know, it'd be very like very chic, very glam wings and bling, uh, wings and bling Wednesday, uh, hashtag women crush. Women, women, women who bone. <laughs> Wings, celery, Wednesday, WCW. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, I've been thinking about this merch or this logo. I haven't done it yet, but like, and I imagine it would work well for your MLM. Like the, it, when you reach a certain level, when you reach like blue cheese level or whatever, you know, you get a shirt with little wings on the shoulders and they're little <laughs> chicken wings. Yep. Oh, 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 it's a satin bomber jacket. It's a satin bomber jacket. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Anything for a satin bomber jacket. Like a pink ladies, but you're a blue yes. cheese lady. Yes. And it would be little chicken wings on the back shoulders. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love Join it. Join my team. Retire your husband. <laughs> That's what they say. Hashtag wing chicks. Wing chicks. Wing chicks. We're wing chicks. Um, because wing chicks don't need a boss. You are a boss. All you have to do is get four other friends to join the wing chicks wing amid of magic. Now it's not a pyramid scheme. It's a wing amid. And what a wing amid. <laughs> It's a hen house, okay? Hey, girl. It's been so long. How are you doing? Can't wait for our reunion. Have you heard of wing chicks? This one's so much better than, because at least we're offering people something. You know what I mean? We're offering we're them. way out of poverty. Bring <laughs> a job. Security. God, I hate these things. I hate MLM so much. They're so predatory. Yes. Um, was it somebody told it was a big point somebody told me about the podcast the dream and i listened to that and the i learned a lot about the faith-based mlms are the are really annoying oh. and i learned about this uh the one that sells different bags like just it's like called 31 or something like that and like um just but different types of organization bags and like satchels and bags and they use religion um pretty strongly to like you know get, 
like good things should happen to me. Why not? I'm a good person. And so like, it, it's crazy. I hate that because that prosperity gospel, what that does is it creates this insecurity in people where they go, well, I must not be doing good enough because I'm not praising enough. I'm not faithful enough. I'm not a good enough Christian. God helps his, those who helps themselves. And if I just like this wealth gospel is so toxic. The idea, and this is why, this is how we got Trump as a president. This is why Christians vote for Trump, which makes no fucking sense, but they have it in their mind that like, well, he can't be all that bad. He's wealthy. God doesn't give wealth to bad people. And he has a lot of it. And I think you are uh, missing all those parts where Jesus said that like, it's, easier camel. for a camel to go through a, the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go to heaven. They forget about that part. Uh, somebody told me recently, and this blew my mind, he said, um, Trump is a poor man's vision of a rich man. And yeah. I was like, yeah, because I was like, how can these people follow him? Like, he doesn't give a shit about them. He doesn't, you know, they, he would not like shake their hand if or, or, or whatever. Like they're like, he's their version of a rich man. Cause I'm, and, uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Hadn't thought about it through that lens. So I need to talk to more people. Yeah. But I mean, wealth gospel has been going on a long time. He is just a symptom of the disease. There's this idea that like, you know, if you are struggling, it's cause you don't have enough faith and you don't pray enough. And you know, everything happens for a reason. And the reason your life sucks is because you're not a good enough Christian. And so it's just- buy more products, sell more of the products. And yeah, that's really sad. Have you ever been involved in an MLM? It sounds like you have some firsthand experience at least. Oh, I've never been in. Well, yes and no. I've never actually worked for an MLM. I have had a lot of people reach out to me. I grew up in uh, Grand Prairie, which is a suburb of Dallas. And I just think for a lot of the people there, you know, they get kind of pregnant, they get pregnant kind of early. They don't really have like a lot of um, opportunity for themselves. And these people get them in on it. And what I hate about the most about what MLMs do is they destroy female friendships because people who you would want to be close with are suddenly like breathing down your neck, trying to get you to join this thing. But the way it's set up is they don't make any money unless people are under them selling. So they've got to get their friends and family to spend their money. And it's just very annoying. I had a friend who was doing one and they were selling these really cute necklaces and I wanted to buy one. But then it was like, oh yeah, I can sell you one or you can become a seller and do that. And I was like, no girl, I just want to buy this necklace. It's cute. And she was like, yeah, it's $60, but then you also have to pay $29.95 for the shipping. And it was like all these extra. And I was like, girl, this isn't even that cute. There's a necklace that looks just like this online. Yeah, That is the thing. You're better off just like literally coming up with an idea, patenting it, making it and running your own shop. But being a part of one of these pyramid things. And I have a cousin who's like real deep into Herbalife and I love her to death and she's like a fitness guru, but it is hilarious because she's always been in shape, but she posts things that's like, look how in shape I am now. I'm like, girl, you like, you're like negative body weight, you know? So, you know, I know I somebody, I'm almost anyway. afraid to say it, but I know somebody who, who, who's involved in one really big and they talk a lot about, you know, what it's done for them. And I'm like, in on the back of my mind, I'm like, you also have a six figure career. Like, yeah what (laughs) uh I didn't wow I didn't think we talk about MLMs but it's so fascinating (laughs) I watched um I didn't finish it though it was how to become a god in central Florida on Showtime with Kirsten Dunst it's kind of interesting I couldn't finish it though so maybe it wasn't that interesting (laughs) but um the dream was really good well 
As we kind of wrap up here, Jasmine, I wanted to ask you about what do you want? So you, it's been so much fun to watch your career just continue to grow and take off. It sounds like you are adapting to the pandemic and working and creating the best you can, which kudos to you, because I think, and I struggled with this and I, I've seen people struggle with it. Like, this is a good excuse to quit or to not do, you know, create. It's like, how do you push forward and create? So what do you want in the next one to three years? Let's say, you know, we all get vaccinated early next year and things kind of get back on track. Like, what do you want from comedy and, and life in the next one to three years? This is hilarious. So yesterday was the winter solstice yep. uh, when Jupiter and Saturn were aligned. And they say one of the ways that you can seize your goals is to write them down. So if you would have asked me this any other day, I'd go, I don't know, to not starve to death. But um, okay, one, I want to have a very successful podcast. I want it to be a, a stream of income for me that is consistent. And I want that, I want to be my own boss. Two, I want to produce and write my own television show and work toward becoming a household name in the next five years. And I know this sounds wildly ambitious, but you know what? Nobody, nobody tries out for the basketball team and says, yeah, I just want to go on with the why. They talk about the NBA. So yeah. why can't I talk about the NBA of comedy? No, you know, I, I want to perform at Madison Square Garden. I want to become a household name as a comedian. Will I get there? I don't know. But yeah. I do know that um, it's not going to hurt anything to want these things. So yeah. I've written a pilot. I really believe in it. Uh, I'm trying to shop it around. If nothing happens within a year, I plan on just shooting it as a web series. So I just have content out there. But been really protective of that. And then the podcast comes out soon and I released a dry bar comedy special and I'm hoping that will bring more attention to me. Um, one of my most immediate goals that I truly, truly, truly believe I'm ready for is I want a late night spot. I know they're not these big coveted things like they used to be. Like, it's just, isn't it annoying how in comedy there's constantly people who get something you want and then tell you how it doesn't matter. Yeah. Fuck that. No, no. I was thinking about that too. Somebody said that about something and I was like, well, if this is what it is today, I want it. There's no going back. I can't get a spot on Johnny Carson, yeah. you know, and, and have, and get a series after it, whatever it is or the way it looks. That's what I want. I went through that recently. Oh yeah. All the time. Like I had people were like, yeah, yeah, no dry bar. When you first got them was a bigger deal because the platform was taking off. Now there's so many specials. They won't really do anything for you. Okay, cool. But I did get it and I'm happy about it and I feel good about it. And at the very least, there are 20 minutes of me absolutely killing. And I like this material. I feel good about it. I, I just realized, I think one thing that I can say that was a positive effect of the pandemic, I hate to say it, is I just realized that I wasn't doing this for other comedians. I, and I love my comedian family. I love my friends who do this. I think they're great. But at the end of the day, like who I'm trying to appeal to are people who need a laugh. And, you know, I want... Jane in accounting to be quoting my jokes at the water cooler. I don't care if some guy comic who was never going to think I was funny in the first place thought it was good enough. And I think once you find your people and you focus on that, it gets so much better. Like engaging with people who actually give a shit about what you do is so much better. Um, I'm so glad you said that. I feel like it's something like, I feel like it's something I know, but it's something I need to keep hearing because yeah. the comics in the back of the room are not buying tickets. They're not going to quote your jokes to you, but, but you know, Jaden accounting, like that's who I'm here for. Yeah. Um, and you know what you told me the first time we met and one of the things that I brought up and, and maybe it'll trigger for you the more of the context, but you said, 
I said something about something similar. And you said, well, that saying like the, the weak shall inherit, the meek shall inherit the earth. And like, people are like, they, they don't, I don't know. Does that ring a bell for you? Uh-uh. Okay. Nice. So it was something about that, like kind of not pleasing kind of the, the people, those people around you, or they don't want you to do well. Like they're not, because it, well, it, it, it highlights them not doing well. I was going to say, maybe, I think the belief that the meek shall inherit the earth is a good way to keep people meek. And it doesn't actually work. I think that might've been what I was trying to say. Cause it's this idea of like, well, the people who are trying too hard, they're not going to get anywhere. And it's like, so you think the people who aren't trying well? And I think it's this, people love stories of overnight successes so much they love it and they love to pretend that everything's an overnight success I mean you'll read about I remember reading about Tiffany Haddish and reading things that are like her her star right her her rise to success and they these journalists would downplay stuff and in interviews with her this is what I love about her she goes I did 500 bar mitzvahs I was sleeping in my car and not to glorify struggle or anything because sometimes we do do that where we make it like it's shameful to take a fucking nap or take a week off of of mics. But I also think there's no shame in working hard or having a longer story. Like I don't look at myself as a failure because I'm 31 and I'm not, I'm never going to be a child prodigy of comedy. I'm too old. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not a teen prodigy. I'm not a college prodigy. I'm a grown woman, but who knows? Like my voice, I don't know. I just, and this might be all of the hippy dippy energy, winter solstice bullshit. You might've caught me on a really nice day when my meds are just cruising, but like, I just feel like if I can put my finger on what I'm doing and I'm proud of what I'm doing and I keep doing things I'm proud of consistently, yep. good things will happen. Yeah. Cheers to that. Thank you so much. I think, I mean, that's what, Um, that's the energy I need to surround myself with. That's the thoughts that like we need to think about. And I think I always ask people that question because it's good to verbalize it. And I always say like, and you shall have it. Like it's, it's going to happen for you. I think those are, that's a fantastic one, three, five year plan. So, um, awesome. Jasmine Ellis, where can people follow you? What do you want them to do? Okay, so find me on Instagram at Jasmine Ellis Comedy, on Facebook at Jasmine Ellis Comedy, and on Twitter at Jasmine C. Ellis, because they wouldn't let me have Jasmine Ellis Comedy. Uh, my website is jasmineelliscomedy.com, and I just released some really fun merch called Fake Fancy, which is a bootleg Louis Vuitton with my face on it. So just buy it, because I think it's silly. And uh, I sell masks and scarves and all that stuff. Oh, and my podcast Rhythm and Bay podcast is releasing next month. So please, 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 please follow Rhythm and Bay podcast on Instagram and Twitter. I can't. And that's Rhythm and B-A-E. Yes, Bay, like a, like a before anyone else. Yes, Bay. <laughs> I love it so much. Jasmine, thank you so much for getting together with me over, uh, well, not over wings, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm still going to call this... Um, uh, truffle hot with Jasmine Ellis. Um, and they'll have to listen to figure out where they can get those wings. I like the word truffle hot. Cause it makes me think of like, you know how everybody who moves to LA has that like joke. We're like, Oh, I'm in Iowa three or I'm in Iowa 10, but I'm like, Oh, I'm truffle hot. That's me. Just <laughs> I'm truffle rare hot. and delicious to pigs. <laughs> Thank you so much. Everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow Jasmine Ellis and we'll see you next time on Wings with Friends. Bye-bye.